0: a squared wrestling podcast go so here we are back <laughs> again week number week number six of the a squared circle wrestling podcast and I believe that officially makes us a series um, and we're going strong aren 't we andy we 're going just as strong as uh I got into Stranger Things this week on Netflix. Oh, so we're lucky that we've been able to pull you away from the TV machine. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, you're always so yeah. horrible about to me about the, my binge-watching of TV shows.
1: Yeah, but I didn't watch it all in one go. I watched it, you know, over, over a course of about a week. It's because you're not committed.
0: It's because you're not committed, that's why. Other things to do. But anyway, we are just as popular as Stranger Things, I'm sure. Um, yeah, We could do a Stranger Things podcast, maybe. Mm. But I wasn't that into it, so... Maybe we can find another TV show that we can both watch and do a podcast on that, and branch off. Walking Dead, because we, well, we can talk about Walking Dead all you like. Mm. Are you up to date? Not up to date. I'm up to oh, about season don't. seven. So Ruined <laughs> that dream already. <laughs> so. I would say we could call it Talking Dead, but I believe that's the the name of a big program we have in America, which airs after Walking Dead, where they do a play-by-play analysis of each Walking Dead episode. Who would have thought that would ever be a thing? Oh, God, I didn't even know that was a thing. CM Punk was a guest many times, actually, yeah. Just bringing it back. You see what I'm doing there as a Mm -hmm. a, 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 a strong host there, um, pulling it back to the subject of pro wrestling, which we're going to try and talk about mainly on this podcast, Mm -hmm. If, if the first... Five episodes have been anything to go by anyway. Um, so yeah, I should probably ask by asking you how you are shouldn't I Andy? how are you? uh well i'm I'm
1: better today. Uh, I've had a uh, t- last Wednesday, I mentioned very briefly I had a cold and then ever from Wednesday uh, after filming uh, recording our episode, I had to go home. it was Finney Finally, my stepson's birthday, and ever since then I just progressively went downhill. To it's all gone downhill
0: from there, hasn't it? Till right. about Sunday. And who would have thought? Who would have thought that spending a little bit of money on a few birthday presents would have made you so ill?
1: I know. I want a bloody little bit of money. I had to buy a PlayStation Four,
0: all sorts of exciting gadgets and toys. So, uh, such a good man. Lucky boy. Um, what I would ask, what I would ask you is, how do you feel after last week? You made a. A huge, huge song and dance about never missing a booking. When you say you're going to be somewhere, you're going to be somewhere. And uh, where were you, Andy, this Friday? I was,
1: I was probably laying on my sofa. If I wasn't laying on my sofa, I was probably in the toilet. I, uh, I called you up about midday. Maybe before midday, actually. You called no, me up very early. It was actually very early. Yeah, I called you up and I said to you, listen, I was going to text you last night, but what was the point? I was up until 3, 4am being sick. Uh, like, real, real sick, and I thought, it's not so much I haven't got the energy or I'm too ill to go to make my bookings, there's no way I'd be able to do the commentary any good, because I'd just be coughing non-stop throughout the whole show, and uh, Friday, that's exactly what I did, up until about Sunday morning, I even came to open up training for an hour and a half on Saturday afternoon, and I was coughing non-stop then too, so... Because um, I did offer. I, I said, do you want to meet up Sunday to do it? And I think Sunday... No, absolutely not. Too late. Too we're late, a, yeah.
0: We live in a... Uh, well, the world is local. We People want stuff now, not two days later. Hmm. So it would have been too late. And the magic could have been gone. I, I like to see stuff live and in person. In case you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about um, Revolution Pro Wrestling Uprising, which took place this past Friday at York Hall, Bethnal Green. Um, and, uh, and it was, it was quite the show. Um, we could do a review of that, but you've not seen it, so. I've not, I've seen some crucial moments. Some crucial moments. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that was, again, that was, wow, quite the week again. And I was, I was very ill all last week and I'm still kind of trying to recover now. Um, but obviously, uh, I, uh, well, I fought through. I did recommend you take some LEM sips. And, no, and I don't take lemon juice. I oh, don't. No, you don't. You say you like. Oh, I take orange juice. Like, no,
1: was... and I I take this. I take these tablets. They're not prescription, but you can only get them through the pharmacy. Uh, they're not over the counter. They are off the shelf essentially, but you can just buy them. They are called cuprofen, and they are like super strength painkillers. And it says on the box, I believe anyway, uh, suitable for colds and coughs and stuff. So well, that's I, recommend, I, take uh, I recommend. I recommend
0: lemon like, Lemsip's always got me out of a bind, and it did. And if it wasn't for Lemsip on Friday, I don't know if I would have uh, pulled through, um, but I did, thanks to the, the wonders of Lemsip. And we're not sponsored by Lemsip, but Lemsip, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Lemsip, if you're listening, if you did want to throw us a few quid for this plug, um, feel free to do so. But did you have a cough? Because that's, that's what the issue was. I had, I had a, a cough. horrible cough. I had a cough. I had the shakes. I was uh, I was sweating profusely. um, it was just, it was just horrible. Like I, I was in a, I was in a very bad place. But um, you made it. I, I made it through. Yeah, you're, you're a tougher man than me, Andy. A hero, some might say. Well done. Um, so, um, so yeah. So last week, well, done. well last week we said we we're going to talk about FWA, didn't we? But, yeah. Uh, this week, I don't know if I can be bothered to talk about FWA, really.
1: Well, I think FWA with the subject we're gonna, what we're gonna follow on from this, what we are talking about now, uh, the show that Revolution Pro Wrestling put on Friday. Uh, FWA, I think, will obviously come up in discussion. So,
0: so can we get a pass in just referencing FWA and telling some FWA stories there? I just think it's so long and involved, isn't it? So, like, I don't want to. Again, I don't want people to be like, "Oh, you told us you were going to talk about this," because we will talk about FWA. Did we say that? though? Did we say? Well, we're well I was like, going to talk about it. Well, I think I said definitely, maybe. I think you just said one day we'll talk about FWA
1: oh, like, I I don't put so week. much pressure on yourself
0: yeah I know that's the problem isn't it I always put <laughs> I always put pressure on myself that's where that's the situation we find ourselves in isn't it putting so much pressure on ourselves um, but yeah oh i told tell you something else that I've been doing as well Andy go on New Japan Pro Wrestling Merchandise. Oh, Officially yes. licensed New Japan Pro Wrestling Merchandise. Available at com. That's been keeping me very busy. Good. Um, so I just thought I'd throw that little plug in <laughs> just there, uh, just in case anyone's listening is after some New Japan Pro Wrestling Merchandise. And just keeping up to date with uh, having to reorder stock has been has been quite the job. Um, but we're there, and we've got lots of, lots of new merchandise. So check that one out as well. Um, so, yeah, for me, I... Uh, so we did Uprising. Let me just tell you about my weekend, because yours is obviously boring and... Non-eventful. Non-eventful. Yeah. You spent loads of money, it made you so sick, you're in bed for three yeah. days. <laughs> um, so I did Uprising. So I spent all day on Thursday uh, working uh, on this uh, New Japan merchandise and on... Um, we had a big order, big delivery come in that all had to be organised, basically. Um, and putting together the season tickets for our London cockpit shows so anyone who doesn't know what what they are we have like a a little presentation folder and we have 12 individual show tickets because you can pay for your um your tickets for the full year you get a discount um this isn't a sales pitch because they're no longer available um but um you get the tickets all in a in the folder you get some uh, color prints just action shots from our show in the folder and you get a couple of um money off discount vouch- vouchers in the folder and it's all well and good and last year was great because it w- it was just great to have just a little a little head start on each show we did every month in terms of tickets sold um but this month I didn't an- anticipate with more than double our uh, uh, double our season tickets for our L- monthly london Cockpit shows which i guess is a testament to the shows themselves but it also meant that a sucker had to put them all in the packs so i assisted my assistant in doing that because i felt too bad watching her struggle doing it on her own so we did that all day on thursday and then on friday we had and as well as preparing some stuff for the show on friday um, and then on friday we had the, the show at uprising and uh, again i'm sure i've mentioned before but we set off for these shows at six o'clock a.m in the morning and by the time we left the venue it was gone midnight So um, I think I got back into my bed at half past three in the morning and I was up again at half past six editing the show because on Saturday I went to my sister's house in Southend in Essex for my niece's first birthday party, um, which I've decided I'm a family man now, Andy. I, I, I said my sister asked me if I would go to this party and I said, oh, I've got a big show the day before, so probably not. And then I sat and thought about it for a little while, and I thought nah i need to you need to go to these moments, do you know what i mean you can't you can't just uh the these moments I, will
1: never happen again
0: yeah and so. i and I feel like i'm I feel like I'm getting a real sense of more my mortality as well like every time I see log on to Facebook, it seems that someone I know has died or someone someone <laughs> what, a, <laughs> what a happy topic yeah, but not quite what I thought we'd be talking but, about but but because of that. I feel like I need to make the most of these moments. So uh so yeah, I went to uh I went to South End and uh I drove my car Andy as well. Did you know? Did that? You? no I didn't know yeah. you done? So, yeah. Um and that's uh Did you remember to pay the bridge, toll bridge? No I didn't. <laughs> right. oh. Have you paid that one for the van as Because yeah, well? it's in my name. Yeah, yeah so. it's been paid for, okay. don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> um, no I didn't. Right. But the good th- the only good news is and I was like, Oh, I need to remember to pay this I never learned my lessons, but the only good news is the first time you get done in the car, like the first time yes. that number plate gets done, you just get a slap on the wrist and pay it now, you little, oh, you know what. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I did have that, ah oh, moment. Uh, we're we're going to have to bleep that out. I'm going to have to, aren't I? Yeah. But I had that moment when... Uh, yes. Uh, and that happened yesterday, actually. So, um, uh, But, yeah, so I went to that. I was up, so up, up at half six. We left my house at half past ten. Uh, that morning, because I was doing the you know the editing um, of the show, it's not glamorous. I do it all, you know. Um, <clears throat> and then we went to uh, and then got back from there probably at, uh, about ten thirty PM. Up the next morning, um, and did the uh, the old training class at the Portsmouth School of Wrestling. So and I did all this whilst being under the weather. So I'm some kind of modern day Superman. You did very well. Well done. Thank you. I think that's what I was looking for, really, just a little bit of uh, a <laughs> pat on the back. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it took a long while to get there, but we got there eventually.
1: So, uh, so obviously I wasn't there, Andy. Do you want to? Uh, obviously, we don't want to sit there and list results for twenty minutes, but give me, give, give me your, your top highlight of the night.
0: My top highlight it has to be the cruiserweight championship match, um, what we opened proceedings with, um, and that saw Curtis Chapman become the undisputed British cruiseweight champion, very much the underdog as he's been his entire wrestling career. Um, his whole life, really. Yeah. Yeah, his whole life. His whole life he's been a little underdog. But um, if, he was a, if he was a puppy, he would have been the runt of a litter, wouldn't he? Mm. Um, but he, he's had to overcome a lot to get to where he is. Um, and he started training with us when he was 14. 14, right? yeah. And um, he came with his, his mate... like he was a little scrawny one and his mate was a a bit bigger like he had i remember his mate had big hands a puppy yeah a puppy with big paws yeah it turned out sam was rubbish wasn't (laughs) it and uh (laughs) uh, curtis uh curtis took to it like a, a duck to water and uh and he's been he's been going at it ever since you know and um his size has been an issue for a long while um He's actually, and obviously what didn't help either is he had that massive growth spurt. We used to market him as uh, UK's youngest pro wrestler, but when he grew to over six foot, uh, we kind of had to, we had to put a kibosh on that one, didn't we? We had to change up, you know, the slightly, yeah. Um, but over the last year, he's been a contender for Revolution Pro Wrestling, and he's worked very hard at uh, kind of putting on some size, and anyone who's seen him, and, and it's very hard. The first time you see him, he still looks like a skinny stick. However, if you... If you look at him side by side to what he was, uh, even at the if start you, of the yeah, year, if you or, compare him to 12 months ago, yeah, yeah, you know it's it's a remarkable transformation, and he's continuing to put the work in, and he's worked so hard to get there. And I would say, like in terms of wrestling, and bearing in mind, I've seen like wrestlers like as they've come up. You know, I I, can't, I grew up with you know all the you know all the top guys that we see now. You know, I've seen them when they were Curtis's age. Um, you know, the ones who've been lifers, so to speak. Not like your Rob the Gobs, who kind of come in and after six weeks are really good. You know, like the people who, um, you know, have been lifers in in, in wrestling. You get like, um, you know, like your Zack Saber Juniors or Marty Skulls. And I say, if it's going to be a comparison with anyone, I think Zack's probably the best person to look at a parallel to. Um, and I would, I would say that Curtis is so much better than Zack was. At that age um, and that's a huge compliment because Zach was very good at that age um, and look at what Zach's gone on to achieve and accomplish so um, you know if he keeps his head on his shoulders and and keeps working hard you know who knows what he could do, could accomplish but that him winning that Cruiserweight Championship was almost like the crowning moment for him um, and and a reward for for all that work
1: it's like his first chance to really sort of solidify that he's a player You know, when you the guys who's in the ring with certainly have, you know, this sort of um, the notoriety, you know, they're building notoriety as being top guys on the British circuit. And it was Curtis, if you picked out, if you had the five guys, if you had a lineup with the five of them, the odd one out would have been Curtis as like, you know, the youngest, probably, you know, the least well known. And, you know, for him to come out and win the championship the way he did. Uh, you know, now he's now he's sort of firmly part of that group.
0: Absolutely, and 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 as he's done time and time again for us, he he didn't let himself down, um, and he showed up and was there, and he excelled. And that's always a big test for a lot of guys. You know, like sometimes they get put in situations where they get put in high pressure environments and they they choke. But um, and and Curtis could very well have done that because not just was it. You know, a huge championship match for him. It was his first time wrestling in York Hall, um, and that's something that everyone aspires to do. And uh, and I, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm I'm overhyping this situation, but when it comes to York Hall, um, it's really an iconic and historic venue when it comes to combat sports. All the best British boxers have at one point or another stepped through the ropes in York Hall, and. You know, it's a magical venue, and like some of the best boxers from around the world have stepped foot in in the ring in York Hall. But you know, you're talking about you know your Chris Eubanks, your Nigel Benz, your Lennox Lewis's, You know, all those guys have have fought in in York Hall, and it's um the venue seeped in history, and it's a very special venue if you're if you're there and you're experiencing that atmosphere um, and you could be forgiven to be an over, be cut, being overcome by the situation. Um, and Curtis certainly wasn't that. So you passed the test with flying colours. So he's going to be the next Frank Bruno, that boy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're saying how, how uh, special um, York Hall is as a venue. Uh, for boxing, uh, that could well be the case, but it's not actually always been the case for wrestling, is it? Like it's... It's been, a, it's been a funny venue, uh, certainly since I've been involved, uh, I'm assuming back in the 70s and 80s, if um, wrestling was held at the venue, I don't even know actually. But
0: I'm sure, I'm sure it was thriving back in the day.
1: I know, I can remember, I can remember when FWA first ran there in 2002, um, I was told by a, uh, a, another promoter called Scott Conway, I think it was Scott who told me this, because he actually refereed the Drew McDonald versus Robbie Brookside match at the FWA Uprising show. If you remember, okay. that was uh, so in October of two thousand two. Yeah, FWA yeah. were gonna were like, right, we we are. I was just
0: wondering. I was just trying to remember if that was when Steve Linsky had been a naughty boy, but that was a bit no, that was that, a bit that before. was a bit before then. Yeah, a bit before that. So that was a, that was the first time Scott came into referee. Because another time he came into referee, it was when Steve Linsky's name was uh, was not very. Uh, yeah, very... we can get we'll have Linsky on one week and he can talk <laughs> and to me. He, us can, about he can explain himself, we can grill him. <laughs> yeah, we can grill him. Yeah, so
1: for a new phone, you ruined someone's life. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so, so, Scott, so my point is this, um, regarding of who ran wrestling at York Hall, FWA ran Uprising One, um, and it was headlined by Jodie Fleisch versus Flash Barker, yeah, in, in, F- in a ladder match, yeah. Uh, you had Alf Herman versus Balls Mahoney. You had AJ Styles versus Johnny Storm. Of course, AJ Styles and Johnny Storm, uh, which was AJ's first appearance in England, as far as I'm aware. And the other, the other big match, of course, was Jerry Lynn versus Doug Williams, and that was the match, that was the show that sort of put FWA on the map. Where we've talked about FWA in the past, it's I've always sort of. Um, suggested it was a ECW-inspired show and obviously with Balls Mahoney having essentially a chairs match against Ulf Herman and then Jerry Lynn being having the technical masterpiece with Doug Williams. That's really where those comparisons start.
0: Yeah, that high-flying match between Raj Ghosh and uh, Jack, uh, Jack, Jack, Jack Xavier, Xavier. and uh, James Ty.
1: James Ty, yeah. That kicked things off very nicely. So back to, back to the point I'm trying to make is about two or three weeks after that, Brian Dixon of All-Star Wrestling held a show at York Hall.
0: Were you aware of that? Yes, I was actually. Yeah, but I th- I want to say he, he wasn't he running there before. Po- I don't. Yeah, well. I'm, I'm not sure. Probably. Yeah. Probably. But either way, he uh
1: he, he didn't draw particularly well. Um, I don't know whether he was expecting a thousand people, whether he was expecting two hundred people, whatever. I don't know what the numbers were. I can't remember. But he was going around essentially blaming the FWA for putting on such a poor show, as to why his show was such a bad draw that night, which obviously <laughs> seems laughable really yeah uh, but there you go that was um that th- that was uh publicly stated that uh you know the reason why his houses were down was because fwa put on a.
0: it's interesting though isn't it because you could look at it in a couple of ways because you could look at it like i i personally don't believe it would have had any bearing upon his show at all but like, i mean you could have looked at it upon well maybe fwa put on a better show than he'd been putting on and they were like we and fwa was very strongly branded as well and then maybe people were like, oh, we don't want to go to that. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> we that, that to, You know, that, it could have gone the other think, way, couldn't it? Yeah, like, we're
1: waiting for FWA to come back.
0: Which, yeah, which, which there is support to that argument, because when FWA did come back, they also did a good house. Sure. Yeah, so uh, So that was that,
1: you know, like, uh, uh, York Hall, sorry, is, uh, you know, it's wrestling history compared to its boxing history. It has its peaks and its troughs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and he has a, a lot more troughs and peaks, I'd say, until I came along. Um, but, uh, yeah, like a few things about York Hall. So, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to think about the, the best order to kind of talk about how me running shows in York Hall came about. Um, I don't know if you've got any suggestions.
1: Well, I, I think we can go with a quick summary. So, FWA ran it uh, for, for three shows, maybe? Uh, and yeah, then I mean, we
0: did three shows. And then we could
1: talk about how FWA lost it. Yeah. How York Hall didn't want to talk talk wrestling, host yeah. wrestling for years. Yeah. Uh they wouldn't touch wrestling. Uh and then uh I and then
0: RQW came in.
1: Right, that's who. Oh, that's who settled uh, it, wasn't it? Yeah. And then Ben Davies.
0: Yep. Yeah, and then after that was it after yeah, after that it must've been Mark Sloan.
1: Mark Sloan tried running it and then that was it. It was dormant for years again. Yeah. And then you saved the day, Andy. What can we say? I did. Yeah. So, uh, so so, in all seriousness, FWA had a, had a strong first showing. That was their first show that had actually done ticket prices of £50 for front row, which all credit to Alex Shane on this, actually. He was the one who saw the vision and uh, thought that that was going to be possible. And uh, everyone from me and numerous other people that, that were involved with the FWA thought it was absolutely absurd. For, £50 for a front row ticket to see, you know, an XW ecw and-
0: the hardcore to put that into perspective now, my front row tickets at York Hall are only £52. Pounds. So, what do you think about that was back in 2002? Two. you know? Yeah. So, if anything, my ticket prices are too cheap. That's what I'd right. say anyway.
1: Yeah. Don't need to be lying in your pockets anymore. So, um, so, yeah, we had it, Balls Mahoney, AJ Styles, who was a
0: relative unknown at the time. He, I think he was a complete, I'd say he was a complete unknown. Like, uh, after that show, everyone knew who he was. Yes. But, you know, as far as I think TNA had just started, had it?
1: Yeah, TNA had been around a few months, I guess. Yeah. Where people, you know, it was, TNA was a bit of a flavour of the month, much like Ring of Honor was. Uh, people, people wanting to show they're in the know. Oh, I've watched Ring of Honor. I've watched TNA. I and heard the world, but the world stars. was a
0: different place then. The only way you could get hold of these shows was tapes, yeah strong right? style and, tapes, and to me yeah, that was a big attraction of the fwa shows because i used to go to all these fwa shows and for me the big big attraction the reason why i went to so many of them was because i wanted to get the latest vhs tapes no words of a lie like yeah. that was that was one of the big draws like the, the cards obviously the card meant a lot but you know like the main thing was can i get my latest czw fix okay so and you probably weren't the only one I I know I wasn't, Probably, not. I'm sure Strong Style tapes had his pockets lined by uh, the likes of myself, Um, and I know people used to, like, everyone used to go with, like, empty backpacks and leave with them, like, literally VHS tapes just flooding out of the backpacks, you know. Yeah, I used Um, to buy a load of them tapes and just not watch them. Yeah, because he used to do, like, sticker deals as well, I don't know if you remember that, like, so he used to put, like, a green sticker on them, and if you get, like, yeah, I don't know, you could maybe get free green sticker tapes for... cheaper. Okay. Like, so it could, might be free green sticker tapes for a tenner. Or a, a bit five he curses YouTube that man, doesn't
1: he? It's like I think, ruined his business, really. Well, I
0: think him ruining his business actually happened at the Frontiers of Honour show, didn't it?
1: Yeah, where, um... Yeah, so so that was October 2002, then FWA. Then Ring of Honour had kind of caught fire on the internet uh, as being a quite a big, big deal. And uh, Ring of Honour and Alex of the FWA sort of married up and said they were going to pro a show together in England. And, uh that's where a a show called Frontiers of Honour came from. It was FWA versus Ring of Honour, where I believe there were six matches, uh, six matches in the FWA versus Ring of Honour brackets. Uh, I think Zebra Kid wrestled Samoa Joe. AJ wrestled Johnny Storm again in a rematch from the previous year's uprising. So that was in May 2003. And then what I was find slightly amusing about that one is uh, Strong Style Tapes used to be a sponsor of somewhat of the shows that he would pay good money and to... he promote
0: some as well, didn't he? he promote the first two Broxport, Broxport. shows. So he... Uh, so
1: he he would pay Alex for a table, much like you'd pay a, a, the promoter of a car boot sale, you know, a tenner, to have a table at, at your boot, uh, a boot sale, for example. But he'd obviously probably... i obviously tell you, if he was paying Alex
0: a tenner, he was laughing <laughs> all the way to the I'm bank, sure wasn't he,
1: he? I'm sure he wasn't. Alex would be smarter than that. So... Uh, so, however much he was paying, but I think he used to bootleg these videos. And really, as a as a I say, kid, I wasn't a baby, but as an 18, 19 year old, it never dawned on me they were just
0: sort of like pirate videos. <laughs> no, you especially know? coming from FWA as well, which is essentially like an indie promotion trying to make waves and trying to make money, and knowing full well how hard it was being financed by this bootlegger who was essentially ripping off promotions. But in those days. Again, like I'm not making excuses for him. It was just impossible to get hold of those tapes in those days, and I think that promoters like would have been better off. So, for example, CZW would have be better off selling Strong Style tapes, a master of their show, for a grand, and letting, saying to him, "Do what you want with it." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because otherwise we wouldn't have a clue. Uh, I said that I,
1: I used to buy these video tapes. I can remember buying them, you know, like a best of. Takam Shinoku and ECW for that kind of thing but never watching it just I don't but again it's just pure bootleg I can't imagine he had any sort of permission to do so uh, but one tape I did watch was the CZW best of the best that Johnny and Jody Johnny Storm and Jody Fleisch were obviously a massive part of that Jody Fleisch went on to win
0: did he win? Yes he did yeah I think he did he my f- my favourite one was What uh, <clears> oh, <throat> did he lose to Trent Acid in the final? Oh I'm not sure hmm. Maybe we have to look lost, that I think up. he lost to Trent Acid in the final
1: ok yeah Go get him, champ, next year. You'll get it. <laughs> um, so, uh, so so, back to the point is Strong Star Tapes used to sell these videos at the FWA shows of Ring of Honor videos. And Alex had said to him, whatever you do, you cannot sell Ring of Honor videos at this Ring of Honor show. And Alex, somebody either grasped him up or Alex
0: caught him red-handed. He was caught red-handed, I
1: believe. He was caught, yeah. yeah, he was caught red-handed. S- under selling, the table. Yeah. Caught him red-handed uh, selling Ring of Honor videos To the punters
0: of that show, whilst Ring of Honor management, right, while Rob
1: Feinstein and whoever the other chap was who came with him, yeah, uh,
0: was was four foot away from him. Uh, And and bear it in mind, that was Ring of Honor's business. They were they were based off of R.F. Videos, who again made a living (laughs) (laughs) bootlegging video tapes. They're all just guilty as each other, maybe.
1: So, uh, so, so, so that was the end of that, and then so that that was uh, the the Ring of Honor FWA show, um, and that was
0: just an example, though, by the way, of just uh, in wrestling you get so many people who are short sighted and think of today and not tomorrow, because Strong Style his business model obviously it would have been done now like i'd probably wind up with a one of these on-demand services wouldn't he but like a strong style he missed the whole dvd era and and recording dvds would have been a lot easier than him than uh, than having to do videotapes because i don't know if you've ever made a copy of a videotape but like to make a copy of a vhs it literally takes if a tapes three hours it takes three hours to make the copy right so you got to press play on one recorder link it up to another press record on the other and he'd obviously have the, the stacked VHS is so like he could do four or five yeah tapes well, at a time
1: I, I went to his house once and I can't remember why but I saw his tape room and it was like just VHS recorders everywhere yeah because that's so, the way uh, he had
0: to do it like you know he had to duplicate the, the you couldn't just do it one at a time no. um, and um, and you know, it wasn't something that took 30 seconds it took the full length of the, the show so he missed out on that whole DVD era yeah um, just yeah. by being a a knobbler, just being greedy, about, isn't it? Yeah, just, just not greedy. thinking about tomorrow, just only thinking about today. So sometimes you need to play the long game. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, so 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 that was briefly touching upon that FWA Ring of Honor show, and then FWA Uprising Two came along in October 2003, which had uh, CM Punk was on that one against Colt Cabana. I think they're both their first time in England, uh, and I can remember the EC. Oh, uh, just incredible was there. I can't for life remember who you wrestled Johnny Storm. Maybe? Yeah, he wrestled
0: Johnny Storm. Johnny yeah. Storm, famous. Homicide versus Jack Xavier was a yes match.
1: Yeah, and uh, Mikey Whipwreck was part of a a, a six man tag yeah, involving Old Herman, Alex Shane. And the reason the reason why we get into this whole thing is how wrestling got booted out of York Hall, when they wouldn't touch it for years, was because Paul Travelle, who was doing a character, a bit of a psycho, kind of mankind-inspired... Like, he didn't wear a mask or anything, but he wanted to be a bit of the hardcore hero. The
0: righteous Paul Travelle. The righteous Paul
1: Travelle, who actually, I I haven't spoke to Paul in a long time, but was actually one of the nicest guys, the most encouraging guys I've ever met. And uh, and he essentially... They decided they were going to set Paul on fire. He agreed to it. And he got choked down through a table and didn't... while well, the table was on fire, but Paul didn't catch fire... So my I P- mean, I think there
0: was, a, there was a little flame, right, but it
1: wasn't, vi- it wasn't, it wasn't the, the visual, visual they- f- that they wanted. Right, again, it's lack of preparation. They, why didn't they practice that? Not the bump, Absolutely. but like, practice setting the table on fire six times, you know, yeah. like to make sure you get it right. Bring ten tables. Uh, but they didn't. So, uh, so Paul got chokeslammed, I think, off the apron through this poxy little flame. Mikey Whitwreck, uh, in his infinite wisdom, was holding the lighter fluid and sprayed Paul's back with the lighter fluid. In which case, I I don't think I've ever seen it, so I can't really say whether the flame was massive or not. But all I know is, Paul's back went up in flames. I don't know
0: how long for, it was It was three seconds, but it was long enough that, you know, like, it's fire. Sure. You know, know if you touch a hot pan, Mm -hmm. you know. Yes. Yes. It
1: hurts. Uh, A lot, yeah. So, uh, after that show, uh, obviously, that was, FWA were trying to breed that place as a, you know, probably run it like you do, Andy, three or four times a year. That's what they wanted to get to. But instead, they're out in the cold and didn't have anywhere to run their big uprising events anymore. Uh, and that's where we ended up at a place called the Brent Town Hall. Uh, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Uh, Near Wembley. So were you at uh, Uprising too? Uh, I, was, I was there.
0: No, I was just there. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't trusted to referee uh, at that point. I actually started the Brent Town Hall show as it would have been my first main FWA show.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so after we had to move out of York Hall, I can't imagine... Uh, York Hall, the, the management at York Hall, were too impressed that FWA
0: brought fire. I can give you some insight to that. Give me but some. I don't, should I give you some? Because it all came about when I was going to York Hall. Okay. So do you want to, are we going to skip ahead or are we going to keep going? I mean, we only really need to talk for another 10 or so minutes, but. let's, let's While we're on the subject, we might as well. Okay. Well, when I, when I So when I went to York Hall, so bearing in mind, um, wrestling hadn't been in York Hall for a long while and the, the word wrestling was dirty and I remember a while ago um, I got a lot of criticism from the internet when someone said something about, it's a pro wrestling running a show in, in York Hall um, and uh, someone asked me how I feel about it and let me just put on record now to say I couldn't care less right, but the point I made when I, when I replied was saying um, it would have just been nice for them to ask me about it because I feel that I've done a great deal to get wrestling in your core. I'm not saying I own your core. I'm just saying that if it wasn't for, again, someone else might have been able to do it. Can I say as like a bit of a neutral party to this?
1: Like, obviously being your friend, I might seem a little bit biased, but like, it's not really so much that someone else. It's just common courtesy of if you're running the same product or the same type of product um, in a in a in a venue. So there, I read some of the Twitter comments it was like, "Oh, do you think?" Eminem asked Rihanna if they can both run the same concert venue. It's like, that's, it's not the same comparison. You know, you're not, you're hitting the same. Wrestling is niche enough. You could, it's just common courtesy more than anything else. If a wrestling promoter was to run, but normally it's not done at all. Normally you don't go into Brian Dixon's venues. Normally you don't go into John Freeman's venues. You wouldn't turn up at, uh, where you, I can't, I don't know off the top of my head where progress on their wrestling shows. You wouldn't go, oh, I'm going to stick a wrestling show in here because just out of common courtesy, you just don't do it. It's just one of the one of the things I don't think wrestling fans realise that there are some rules that they might not know about. So that's all it takes is for like a pro who wants to go into York Hall and just say, oh, I'm going to run a wrestling show here. Not do you mind, but. I'm just giving you some comments and courtesy, some, some yeah, heads it's up. Just a,
0: you know, it's just the etiquette of the situation, isn't it? And like I said, like I have I, I completely appreciate they're a completely different product to, to what I'm running. Um, and that's why I wouldn't have had an issue with it. And like I said, in my defence was when everyone was going for me <laughs> as, as well, is Oh, it was uh, horrible. It was <laughs> like a mugging <laughs> um, again, wasn't it? Like. Yeah, and, uh, and as I said, like um you know, you wouldn't I I wouldn't dream of going into electric ballroom uh, Progress's venue, but if I if I wanted to, if I was hell bent on going there, then I'd speak to at least speak to Progress first and give them a heads up, just to let them know. You know, um, all I wanted to say was TNA managed to let me know when they filmed the British Boot Camp show there, um, and obviously gave away their tickets for free. I still didn't draw as many as people as I get there, but whatever. <laughs> but, um, Ring of Honor, let me know. We ran two consecutive nights and both did great business. You know, there's there's ways that you can. It, 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 you know, we're not at war with each other and I just want to put water on, on those flames before anyone's like, oh, he said this, he said that. I don't care. I genuinely don't care. I just would have liked the common courtesy and uh, of, of them saying to me, you know, we're, we're wanting to run a show here. We think it'd be a good idea because of this, that and the other. Whatever, go for it, guys, you know? Um, but the point I was making was... When I wanted to run a show in York Hall, I knew that I wanted to run a bigger venue. And we'll get into why I wanted to run a bigger venue another day. Um, but that's associated with a, another show that um, I wound up taking control of at the last minute, um, which taught me that it wasn't a big deal to run these huge shows. So at this point, I was only running shows in front of 300 people um, every other month. And I, I wanted to run a bigger show. And York Hall, having those fond memories of Uprising, um, and uh, and Frontiers of Honor, um, that was to me a place I wanted to put wrestling, but when I went and approached them, they had no interest whatsoever. But there was a guy there, uh, called Offa, and he's now uh, higher up in the GLL, uh, GLL team, the guys that run York Call. Um, and it's funny because I actually, um, he was passing through your call on friday i was sat on on one of the seats and he came up to me and he said who would have thought from one conversation we had sat up there was sat up in the balcony that it would have turned into this because i don't think anyone realizes the first york hall show i pretty much built <laughs> everything um apart from the the the, the catwalk you know the entrance way the sound system the um just everything was done and you know like and now it's turned into this huge thing um and, uh, and he was just like, you know, had a big smile on his face because it, it was very successful. Um, but he was open-minded enough to at least entertain me for a conversation, you know. And I was able to show him... Um, I remember I would got some music videos that I was able to show him to show him, you know, exactly what we do. Um, and there were a couple of concerns he had. One was about, we're not going to use any fire. So obviously... Even though, so that was two thousand and two, and this was two thousand and twelve. So this is ten years earlier. Was it? Was it two thousand and two? It was, was two thousand and three. Okay. Yeah. Nine, still. So yeah. nine years. Nine years earlier, and still, that's a big concern. Like these wrestling guys use fire, you know. Um, so that was the first one, and the second concern had to do with some unpaid bills from the promoter that were there previously, um, and I had kind of had to then explain the landscape of. That promotion, how it differed to our promotion, and we're not all the same. yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. Um and you know, just because it says wrestling, it doesn't mean it's it doesn't mean it's all exactly the same, you know, um, and I explained how we operate a very walk before you can run mentality, and how I've been doing this for x amount of years now, and how now's the time to make the next step, and really had to give him a massage spiel, and he took a chance on us, um, and as a result of that, we were able to get into York Hall and we kind of really haven't looked back. But I mean, and I, w- I will say as well is another thing that happened maybe the week of the show, I got another worried phone call by being like, Andy, there's not going to be anyone jumping off of any balconies, is there? <laughs> and uh, I was like, no. My God, no. No, yeah. there's not. And like, and it wasn't the first time because on the first uprising, Jodie Fleisch jumped off the balcony. Right. And it wasn't that they had the problem with. It was when Nikita jumped off the balcony at that British Uprising Two show. Yes. So what I can only imagine is a fire happened and they were like, Oh, and there was like a bomb scare beforehand, right? Someone had called in a bomb scare before British Uprising Two. The building had to be evacuated. Yes. Then eventually everyone got in. And then there was that obviously the fire. And then there was the balcony dive as well, but I can imagine I can only imagine when they were feeding back on the event, they were like, someone got set in fire, a woman fell off the balcony, and they like, what? You know? Yeah. i uh, scared. Yeah. <laughs> and so we had to get over all of that to, uh, to get us to uh, a, a stage where they would let us run the, you know, just run the venue, uh, let alone the fact that I was told York Hall's a white elephant, and I was told, you know, you're not going to draw at York Hall. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I, still went for it and took the risk and and it kind of paid off so it was a lot of hard work the first show we did we did so much local advertising i can't even begin to explain what went into the, the promotion of that first show um but it was getting the ball rolling um and the first show i think we got about 600 people in for the first show which was considered a huge achievement at the time but now looking at the fact we double that attendance on our shows and and sell out in advance um you know that shows what what hard work can do, really. You know, and it and I think people often people have a mis, uh, misconception of the fact of oh, York Hall's easy. You know, they've you know it's just a lot of hard work went into getting there, mm-hmm. and a lot of work hard work went into building that up. Um, and I, I'm very happy that we've been able to sustain it and run more shows than ever before there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been a lot of hard work.
1: Yeah, well, the, you, you, the first one you took over was 2013. We just about went to 2018. Yeah. So uh that's nearly 5 years. Absolutely you know, be hitting 5 years. And I think
0: I think we probably I think we've done over 20 shows there now. Um, which you know I, like people were be, be telling me I'd be lucky if I did one. Um, so so there you go to be able to do that there that's uh, that's definitely something. Um, and uh, and that's kind of I don't know I guess it's well, it's an achievement isn't it? And, well
1: uh, not to make light of the situation like seriously uh in the, the mid 2000s Len Davies decided to take a stab at pro wrestling at York Hall with monthly events. And he just couldn't draw. It, there was... I, it, I don't know if it was the wrestling. Wrestling wasn't... Uh, compared to now, you could say wrestling wasn't as hot. We didn't have the power of social media to advertise back then. Uh, it was still very much in its infancy. Uh, we didn't have the power of social media for the wrestlers to to be over, as they are now. So... Um, It probably wasn't the greatest venue, but even even when Len gave tickets away for free, I think was it you gave a donation for the food, like physical tins of food, right? I think I I can't remember the specifics, but uh, even that you, you couldn't even fill it out with that. There was just something about, like you said, it was referred to you before you start running it as a white elephant. You'll be lucky to get one show out of it. That is, I'd say, that is based off of the fact of how badly this company, which is referred to as r- and, real
0: quality wrestling. And what what I'll also add as well is, I always, I don't even know how or why, right, but my memories of those uprising shows were like... The FWA they were, shows. Yeah. That, were, they, that they were they were rammed, right? That was my memory of them. It was sold out, like, super busy, like, that was my memory of being there live. Yes. Right? But then... I I remember I actually spoke to Alex Shane before I ran York Hall the first time, and he told me their shoot attendance numbers, which may have been inflated, um, and I think he said, like, around 600, 550, 600 were the numbers. I was like, there's no... Like, I don't know, I just couldn't wrap my head around it, but then when I look back at tape of those shows, there's tonnes of empty seats, right? Right, okay. But, like, you know, especially especially British Uprising 2, I remember, like, a the the seats by the entranceway, especially. I remember that
1: specifically because uh, during Uprising One, uh, Scott Conway, as I mentioned, uh, he was a referee for the Robbie Brookside Drew McDonald match. I was I wrestled for him a few times, uh, probably about twenty times, and I went to go talk to him about. It if and you if had you want, if other... you want to
0: hear your first experience with Scott Conway, you can yep. listen to episode one.
1: Yes. So uh, are uh, forced
0: and... upon him. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, I approached Scott. While he was watching some of the show, and I said, "Oh, I'd really like to wrestle for you again." And if you got anything coming up, and he was obviously very gracious, and I'm sure he gave me some dates. But my point is, while he was sat, uh, he was sat in those empty seats. There was there were plenty of empty seats then as well. So uh, you're right. The perception was that they were hugely successful shows, and financially there may have been, I don't know. But uh, the the perception was FWA was a red hot hot ticket. Yeah when really there'd have been plenty of tickets are still available
0: yeah and that's and i think that's um one of the, the the things about fwa really isn't it it had that shine around it all the time they did a great job of promotion a great job of hype um so much so that i was even there and i didn't even notice you know i really didn't notice and um so i think that then puts into perspective what an achievement it is to be at york hall where we sold out two weeks after tickets went on sale you know i've got a york hall show coming up january 20th you know we running more consistently, 700 tickets sold already, you know, and that's a testament to the product we put on and the wrestlers who are who are on there. And uh, and again, I, I've said it time and time again, the depth of talent in this country has never been stronger um, and the quality of a show just keeps getting better and better and better. And, and I remember, just quickly, um, before we wrap up, my mentality over York Hall, so we did the first the first show with Jushin Liger, the second show with Bret Hart and Tanahashi. um, and then the third show we had sting it was originally supposed to be rick flair and that's definitely a story we can tell um, so i'll add that onto the list um for the future um, but we wound up with uh, we wound up with sting on that show um and those were the first three shows and my mentality was will jushin Lager is obviously this um again we should probably talk about that show how that the show one needs as a standalone show because it's so um I want to say it's so historical and it really changed the course of where we're going and I'd argue it changed the course of professional wrestling in this country as well. Um, but I... Uh, but Liger was the the guy who had never been over as in Liger in this country um, and he was a real... He was the epitome of the smart mark draw, right? You couldn't get any more... He had a big mystique about him, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, he had a bit of crossover from his time in WCW, but, like, he was a real hardcore draw. And then from there, we obviously went to Bret Hart, who obviously couldn't be more mainstream if we tried, and Sting, again, couldn't be more mainstream if we tried. But the cards were all um, very much... Uh, very super high-quality cards that we have become, no- become known for, like the shows we did in Sittingbourne, and... Um, you know, when I just had that revelation, I can't remember if I discussed it on this podcast, but one day I just had a revelation, I always used to try and, I'd take anyone. I like Honestly, if you look back at some of the early IPW shows I used to book, um, some of the guys on the shows weren't the best workers, but I always prided myself in being able to put them in the best situations um, and, and trying to make the most of them. Um, and I guess it was that kind of ECW mentality, you know. Um, but I got, at some point, I just had this revelation where I was like, what if every match featured just the best wrestlers, right? Then we wouldn't need a there wouldn't be a filler match, There wouldn't be a uh, a low a low point in the show. There wouldn't be a bring the crowd down to bring them back up. You know, what if we just use the best guys? And that was very much what the your call shows were were based around and that's what kept people coming back. But my my thought process was we did very well for Bret Hart and Sting shows, but obviously they were huge budget shows. My thought process was we bring the budget of the shows down and we'll just try and draw 500 people every month or, you know, not not necessarily every month, every other month, we we'll just try and draw 500 people. And then that would be as just as successful financially as drawing a thousand people, but without the huge budget name on top, you know, and that's genuinely what I thought would happen. But I said somewhere earlier like, I, on Twitter, I think I tweeted the other day saying good wrestling always wins. Um, and I believe that good wrestling has won with your call. Um, so, so yeah, I think we've been talking for quite a while now, so we should probably... Uh, we should wrap up, shall we? Yeah, I don't even know really know what we covered. But <laughs> well, I think we just covered, uh,
1: you know, we, we've said since the start, this isn't like a Rev Pro podcast, but when you've got interesting stories to tell, you're going to tell them. But I think we've also given, I hope, at least a little bit of in-depth discussion just about the history of wrestling in England uh, and York Hall was one of its premier venues, so... There you uh, go. You're gonna to have to go back and listen to it again. Now, well, aren't you? So, yeah, I am. Yeah, like, yeah. I, like
0: honestly, like I think we've just we've just been talking, and like I'm not sure if I've been ranting or raving or or whatever have you, but I just want to want to get over the fact that it's amazing that we sit here, however many years after I started running York Hall, we're still going strong. We're still selling out, um, and just going from not being allowed to even run a show there to. To the stage where they absolutely love us, um, and uh, the lady there actually said to me once, um, "I want to turn this into York Hall into the home of British wrestling, the same way that you know the mentality is the home of British boxing. I want it to be the home of British wrestling." So they're very keen to put wrestling on the map as well, and and that's you know you can't ask for more than that when you get a venue that gets behind you. Um, you know you really can't ask for any more than that. So um, so yeah, good wrestling always wins. That's the lesson. That's the moral of today. Good. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks
1: for coming. Leave us. Still give us leave us uh, reviews and five star reviews, obviously, and uh, worded reviews. As well, yeah, we like well, words,
0: we like to read how good we are.
1: Yeah, I think that... we might only have two or three at the moment. Yeah. I've not checked in a while actually, but, but
0: you, you could all be doing a better job of supporting us if you're enjoying it. So, yeah, we don't, we don't ask for any money, we just want you to just like it, review it, and tell your mates that's all we want. So. And next week, we're going to
1: be tackling a very fun project, uh, subject. We're a little bit less, uh, in not in depth, but um, the next week's subject is wrestling. Presents, isn't it? Because oh, be
0: Christmas, Christmas presents. We're gonna get in the Christmas spirit next week. So. Yeah. So if yeah. you
1: enjoyed us talking about our WWF fandom a couple of weeks ago, you're gonna love next week's, trust me.
0: Absolutely, and you'll get to you get to see what a privileged childhood handy had <laughs> compared to my Hulk Hogan wrapping paper. That's I'm, a joke. I had, oh okay. a joke. I was gonna say i never had that. Cool. <laughs> a, wow, look at you almost getting offended <laughs> right. nearly on the phone to I'm the getting on that, Getting right. on that on eBay now. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, thanks for joining us everyone. Check us out on Twitter at AQuildan, A-Q-U-I-L-D-A-N.
1: And at Boy Simmons, B-O-Y-S-I-M-M-O-N-Z. And we'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Cheers.